Hello, homemakers. Welcome to season 15 of the Art of Home podcast. I'm your host, Allison Weeks. I'm a wife. I'm a mom to four grown kids, granny to one baby boy, and I have been practicing the Art of Home for over 31 years now. Yes, we had an anniversary since uh, the last episode, and we are now at 31 years. So I guess technically that means I'm in my 32nd year of homemaking. Okay. Anyway, if you're new here, Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you found us. Here on The Art of Home, we highlight stories of homemakers of all ages and in all stages of keeping a home, seasoned to single and everyone in between. We talk about their trials and their triumphs of homemaking, their relationships in the home, parenting, marriage. We share recipes and tips and favorite products and so much more. We have dozens and dozens of these stories in our podcast catalog, so if you like what you hear today, be sure to go back and listen to more from past guests. If you are a regular listener, welcome back and welcome to season 15. I'm especially excited for this season because it marks the first season in which I will be sharing interviews of some of you all. I was overwhelmed by the response to my open invitation for listeners to apply to be on the show. Thank you all so much for applying. I have every single spot remaining in 2023 filled, and I can't wait to meet you all and to share our conversations with the audience. Applications are now closed for 2023, but I will be opening them up again in December to start recording for the first season of 2024. If you applied and you did not get a spot this season, you can reapply next time. So be on the lookout for that later this year. I will announce it on the show and on social media, and I will send out a special email with links to apply as well. On that note, make sure you are signed up for our mailing list so that you get that notification to apply when it comes and so that you receive our weekly newsletter, Homemaker Happy Mail which has been on a break this summer, but is returning this Friday. This newsletter goes out first thing on Friday morning. Um, It covers all sorts of things. You find out what's coming on the podcast before anybody else. You get any extras that our guests talk about on their um, episode, like if they share a recipe or um, a tip or any of, you know, there's been random things that they have mentioned. And I said, oh, could you share that? And they're like, absolutely. And the newsletter is the best place for me to be able to share those resources with you because I can't always attach things to the show notes and not everybody knows how to find show notes. So I have found that the newsletter is the best way to do that. So you will get exclusive content in the newsletter and it's totally free. So you can sign up by using the link down in the episode description, the show notes, or just go to theartofhomepodcast.com slash subscribe. You can also access some of the past newsletters that are in our archive on the website. Just click um, on the newsletter tab of the menu and it'll do a drop down that'll say newsletter archive. One other thing to keep in mind, because I wanted to give as many spots to applicants as I was able to, I decided to put the Pillars of Homemaking Project on the back burner until January. We have already done deep dive episodes on Pillar 1 and 2, Identity and Values and Priorities, respectively, and I had planned to release Pillar 3, Rhythms and Routines, and Pillar 4, Community, this fall. Instead, I will release those in early 2024. Now, on to today's episode. I am chatting with my friend Kay Abby, a seasoned homemaker. Now, I don't often put qualifiers at the beginning of an episode, but I do feel like there's a few things I'd like to say before we get into Kay's story. 
In some ways, hers is a typical story of home, but in many ways, it is not. If, while you are listening, there seems to be holes in the story, that is intentional. Every guest that comes on this show is putting themselves in a vulnerable position, sharing their story of home, all the good, the bad, the lovely, the ugly, all of it. I never want to dishonor someone's story by forcing them to share things that they cannot or that they wish not to. I will always try to present as clear a picture as I can to you while respecting the boundaries that the guests have set in place. Because here's the thing. Yes, this is her story, but there are other people involved. Like any story of home, there is brokenness and there is sin. We are not trying to gloss over that. But if and when we leave out details, it's because this woman wants to honor the relationships that she has with those who were and still are a part of her story of home. Above all, we want to honor God through telling these stories. So we will major on Him and how He has used the circumstances of home, whatever that looks like, to draw the homemaker to Himself and to give her a desire to serve Him with her home. So whatever you are applying your hands to as you listen today, I know you will enjoy Kay's story of home. All right, welcome to The Art of Home. I'm here with my friend Kay Abby. We're going to talk about her experience as a seasoned homemaker over the decades. But before we do that, Kay, why don't you just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are today. Uh, my name is Kay. I am 70 years old. Um, my husband and I retired here in 2018. And we just absolutely love our life. It's very simple. Um, took me a long time to find my place after retirement. I actually had only worked for 25 years. Absolutely loved it. I thought that my husband would be the one that would have a hard time retiring and he didn't because he's a golfer and he's mm. able to go out every day and golf. And all of a sudden, I'm here, not in a city, almost country, yeah, with nothing to do. <laughs> so it became it became a real challenge for me. It, mm -hmm. it took me a while to find my place. Okay, but you found it. I did. So what do I you did. what do you do with your time these days, Kay? These days, I read a lot, very mm -hmm. involved in the neighborhood, very involved in my church, which has really been a blessing. We're very fortunate. It's right across the highway from mm -hmm. where we live, and uh, we have wonderful neighbors. Yeah. And so I am starting to pick back up on golf just because it's so convenient. That's it. I love to cook. I like to garden. Mm -hmm. And so I keep busy with that. Cool. Okay. And you have how many children? Um, we are a blended family. Mm -hmm. So I have four children. My husband has one. Mm -hmm. And together we have 11 grandchildren. Wow. Ranging in age from 21 down to eight. Okay. Yes. And are any of your children local here? No. I have a son who lives in New Braunfels with his wife okay. and family. Oh, okay. So they're close. They're close. Yeah. yeah 40 minutes. Yeah. Cool. Not bad. Okay, well, let's dive in and let's go back to the beginning. So, when did you first become a homemaker? Interesting story because I really never considered myself a homemaker at first. I married my first husband 
the day after I graduated from high school. Mm. So I am not educated formally. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother-in-law tells me uh, that I was street smart, not book smart. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I like that, you know, because there's a lot you can learn. I read a lot, so I'm yeah. educated through what I choose to read. Yeah. And But I had a wonderful mother-in-law uh, through my first husband. We were very, very close. She is the one who... Uh, really taught me how to cook. Oh. And so she was an excellent cook. Mm-hmm. I just loved the way she spiced everything. And so I still I still treasure that. And I mm-hmm. treasure those memories. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So besides learning cooking from your mother-in-law, did you have any other skills? I mean, right out of high school, that's, I mean, you just dove right in. So did you have any skills or did you have to just kind of learn at the School of Hard Knocks? I happen to have been, to be honest, a little hippie chick. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so you graduate from high school, you have no real clue. I had no real clue what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I had always wanted to be an attorney, and my uncle was killed tragically in a car accident, Mm -hmm. uh, actually outside Gonzales, Texas. And that just sort of shattered my dreams of what I wanted to do. Mm. So I got married instead, (laughs) which is absolutely (laughs) probably not the best, you know, route to go. But uh, I did love my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And so we got married. So no, I had no skills. I had no clue. I just thought, you know, you get married, you hang out, you know, you have fun. What do you think was the hardest thing for you to learn as when it came to keeping a home and because you were working? So what was really the most challenging thing for you? To be honest, there wasn't anything really challenging because I had no children. Uh So it was just my husband and I. Yeah. And, uh, it, we lived in a very small little house in mm-hmm. San Marcos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll always remember the landlady, Mrs. Harrison. She was probably 85 or 90. She lived in the huge house on the main street, and we rented from her. So it was very simple. I mean, it was just like a one-bedroom studio. Yeah. There really wasn't anything to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go to her house and help her quite a bit because she was elderly. So I found uh, very early on, I always loved older people Mm -hmm. and just loved being around them because I knew I could garner so much from them, from just their life stories. So I would go to her house and I would sweep her porch. I would go grocery shopping for her. I would help her make uh, she called them cornbreads, but they were more like corn patties that she would fry in a skillet. Oh, and yes, yeah. fried cornbread. Yes. Now, and that was in San Marcos? It was. That's interesting because um, that was something that was very um, lower Alabama, which is North Florida, where my husband's family is from. And I'd never heard of fried cornbread until I met him. And that's something that they always did. You just make a thin cornbread sort of batter, and then you fry it in maybe in half an inch of oil yes. in a cast iron skillet. Yes, yes. It is the best thing ever. So good. <laughs> I know. Almost like potato pancakes. Yeah, you know? but crispy. Yes. And we have that regularly. 
at, at our house. You do. I mean, yeah. okay, we used to have it more regularly when we were younger and could burn the calories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but now it's like we have to have it on New Year's um, with our black eyed peas and our collard greens. So that's your tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Fun. And then anytime yeah. we make corned beef and cabbage, which is not like you would not, I'm not talking like Irish corned beef and cabbage. It's poor, poor people. Again, from lower Alabama, North Florida, it's canned corned beef. So it's more like a hash. It's okay. more like a corned beef hash. with, And it makes like a juice. Um, Interesting. And yeah. it's delicious. And then the juice from the cabbage that you've boiled down and that that's what you dip the corn, the fried cornbread in. Oh wow! And oh, that, that's that sounds like something I I might have to try this year. Now I'm getting hungry. Yeah. Okay, so I love this story though that you're telling me about your landlady and yes. the time that you got to spend with her. Yes, she was precious. I will always remember her. And um, there were um, there were a lot of older people that I treasured, Mm -hmm. and I treasure their memories, especially from church growing Mm up. Uh, I went to a very small church, and we may have had like 35, 40 people that would attend. And at the time, I did not appreciate it, but the women and even the men were like grandparents, Mm -hmm. and they just loved on you. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I had a it was a challenging relationship with my parents growing up. They were not affectionate at all. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to go to church and get that from these other people was just amazing to yeah. me. I loved it, especially as I was growing up. Yeah. I love that so much. And that's I mean even in even in a healthy family situation um with affectionate parents and, and all of that, it's still such a benefit to take your kids to church and have them be around people of all ages. Yes. And I think I think with the older people, you learn so much because mm-hmm. there's so much history that we miss. Yeah. But I love stories. Mm-hmm. So I love listening to people's stories. And um, that's just, you know, they're giving... They're sharing part of them with you, and that's something you will always remember. Yes, absolutely. So you did work outside the home. I worked outside the home when I first got married as a waitress. Right. That was it. And then uh, really my first job I ever had was working at a funeral home Oh, where I did pre-need cells, but that was much later in life. Where you did what? Pre-need cells where you try to go into people's homes and talk them into buying their funeral policies. Oh, a sa- okay. <laughs> their burial policies. You were a salesperson so for burial that, policies. Yes. Oh my so gosh. That you don't have to wait, so that you don't have to wait until the last minute. Or burden your family in, with it. And, right. Oh. Yeah, but I could never do it. I just, I never... I think maybe I sold four policies. That was wow. it. Because I couldn't talk anybody into doing it. It was like... When they would look at me and I don't have the money, it was like, oh, I understand. You know, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't see you as that type of salesperson. Oh, it did last. Uh, things in my first marriage had had were really breaking apart. Mm-hmm. I was married to a very controlling individual mm-hmm. that would tell me often that I was a good mother, 
but wasn't qualified to do anything else outside the house. Mm. So emotionally, I was pretty battered mm-hmm. and beat down. I was never physically abused, yeah. but emotionally, I was. Yeah. And so I, when I turned 40, I started making a plan that I needed my life to change because of problems yeah. within the home. Mm-hmm. So I went to work at this funeral home, walking blocks in high hills, oh, gosh. <laughs> and I developed a foot problem. Mm-hmm. So I had a friend who gave me the option of several different doctors to go and see, and she said, but this one is the most conservative. In other words, he's not going to want to do surgery or anything like that just because you have a foot problem. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's who I need to go and see. So I went to see him, and uh, he gave me my diagnosis and said, if it's not any better, you need to come back in a couple of weeks, and we'll try an injection. Mm -hmm. So when I went back two weeks later, had to have the injection, his office girl was just frazzled. She was just running around going crazy in the office. And I said, you look like you could use some help. Mm-hmm. And she said, I can't, I need somebody so bad. And I said, well, what would they be doing? Just answering the phone and scheduling. Mm-hmm. And my mind just started clicking. Yeah. And I thought that is something that I can do. I mean, I've, I have no skills really to do anything else other than to take care of kids. And so I just said, I'll, I'll do it. So she took me as she ran errands to interview me. Mm-hmm. And then a week later, I was interviewed by the doctor at the hospital <clears throat> after he did surgeries. And he said, fine, okay. But he told the girl, uh, her name was Lillian, I don't want her to have any baggage. I need somebody that's going to be really able to work and not be distracted by anything going on in the home life. Oh, So Lillian informed me, Keep everything quiet and to yourself. Mm. And it was like, okay, I can, you know, I can do that. So I worked for him probably for about four or five months before I ended up separating mm-hmm. from my husband. Mm-hmm. Finally reached a point because of things that were going on within the home that my children did not need to be exposed to. Yeah. I needed to leave. And so that's what I did. Okay. And it was not easy. It was a challenge because here I am, someone who's never worked, and trying to make sure that my children live a lifestyle that they had been accustomed to. So mm-hmm. I worked four jobs. Well, how did you manage? You know, you were a single mom for quite a while, working more than one job at mm-hmm. times. How, how did you manage your household and your kids and your working and all of those things? It was a challenge. Yeah. Uh, I would work all day get off at five, go to work. Uh, initially, uh, one of the jobs would be like on the weekend, I worked in a tobacco store. Oh, wow. And yeah, that was interesting. I loved the smell of cigars and tobacco, pipe tobacco. And I went through a period where I smoked. I had never really been a smoker. Uh-huh. And so, but it was something that I did. It was almost, it became like a stress. Mm release. And then when I realized, you know what, this is kind of a challenge for me. I need to just get rid of it. Mm -hmm. So I I stopped without a problem, but I also quit working at the tobacco store too. (laughs) So then I was like a pool monitor 
where on weekends I sat and took care of the swimming pool in the neighborhood that we lived in. Did that on weekends. I cleaned Mm -hmm. office buildings, did that. Mm -hmm. And then I went to work at an Italian restaurant, which is where I developed my love for all things Italy, Mm -hmm. and worked in a restaurant uh, at night, you know, from like 5.30 until 10. God blessed me everywhere I lived with absolutely incredible neighbors Mm -hmm. who became surrogate parents for them. I could never have done it without them. Mm -hmm. And they would look after them. They would take care of them. If there was anything that they needed, they were there for them. My mother also came down for uh, probably... She would come off and on for a number of months to stay and take care of them and make sure they got to school, would do grocery shopping and everything else. So I had a, you know, I had a lot of people that helped me. It was was not easy, but it was, uh, I always say God just really provided and took care of everything. Yeah. I think that's a place where the church can really step in and, and whether it's someone who, is a single parent because whatever the circumstances, death, divorce, they've been deserted, whatever, you know, um, there's so much of a need there where the church can step in, like you said, and right, and be a surrogate parent when mom or whoever the parent is, is working a couple of jobs. To make and my church meet. did. They were, my, when my son went off to college mm-hmm. and they knew that I was struggling to pay monthly for one of his student loans, um, they came to me and they said, you know, we need to have this conversation. We want to help you out. Mm-hmm. And it was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You know, I I don't, you know, no, I have to do this on my own because this was something that I chose. And they sat me down and talked to me about the importance of allowing the church to help me. And that this was a gift from God. Mm-hmm. So when they put it that way, it was. I said, okay. And so for a full year, they made that student loan payment every month, $150 mm. every month. That was the church wow. coming to my aid. Yeah. So I will always be grateful for them and for that group of people. They were yeah. wonderful. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Wow. That's great. You had a great community around you. I did. I had. Mm-hmm. A, didn't really appreciate them that much. Mm. Um, like at it the was time. a crazy. It was a crazy period for me. It really was. It was a very difficult period. So I was in and out of church. Yeah. At that point, but they still saw that need, and they saw what I was doing, and they wanted to help, mm-hmm. and they wanted to do it for my kids. Mm-hmm. So that that meant a lot, and that will always I will always think of that, yeah. and always cherish that time. Yeah, we always uh, we always talk about expectations. I, I asked the question, you know, how did how did the the reality of day to day keeping a home and all that stuff match your expectations? And we've talked a lot about just sort of the trauma and the, all the stuff you went through with your first marriage. So maybe we can address this to your second marriage, um, because. You know, you you both probably had certain expectations or not, you know, brought brought into this second marriage. So, w- did you need to make adjustments? 
he probably had to make more adjustments than I did. Okay. I was pretty independent, mm-hmm. having been married, you know, single for 16 years. Right. So I had, I, I would take off and go see my son at college on the weekends. I had friends who lived in San Marcos, very close friends, that I would just take off and go and see. Uh, I would go to my hometown, visit with my family. So when we got married, we never had the conversation about stopping. Mm. So probably after three months and that many trips out of town, and I told him, I said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm heading out to my hometown to see my sister. You are? And I stopped and I looked at him and I thought, oh my gosh, I I haven't even considered him. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even considered him. I'm married now. I can't just pick up and take off. But that was my, I mean, you know, this this man who I dearly love, he loves me unconditionally, even with my thighs. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, the only, I think the only issue I have with him is his uh, taste in food are quite up to par, and he knows this. So I'm not telling, I'm not saying anything that he doesn't already know. So his palate he, is less. He sophisticated is a meat and potato man, and I am just. And his son is a chef. So his son actually went to culinary school, is a great chef, had a restaurant. Now he just cooks for his family. But I treasure the times when I could go there (laughs) because Christopher always has something delightful on the plate and on the menu. Yeah. So, uh, but no, we we have a great relationship primarily because it's centered around God. This is the pic- this is the marriage that I wanted my children to see. Mm. And that was the thing I really prayed about for a long time. Yeah. That I wanted my kids to see the way a real marriage should be. That a husband and wife love each other completely mm-hmm. and love and serve a God who is forgiving and loves us. Mm. We will get back to Kay's story in just a minute. Right now, it's time for Historical Homemaker Hints. This is the part of the podcast where we highlight some of the helpful and not-so-helpful hints doled out to homemakers throughout history. Today's hints come from 1003 Household Hints and Work Savers, a treasury of clever, practical ways to save money, time, and work in every department of daily living. Put out by W.L. Moody and Co. Bankers of Galveston, Texas in 1948. There are a plethora of food and kitchen tips in this handy little book, and there's quite a few here about eggs that I thought I would share with you today. To determine whether you are getting your money's worth when paying for fresh eggs, you should know that number one, a fresh egg sinks in water. Number two, The shell should be dull and rough. Number three, the yolk should be in the center. Hold the egg up to the light. And then number four, the contents should not shake back and forth loosely. Old eggs are smooth and shiny. Fresh eggs are rough and chalky in appearance. Eggs beat up lighter and make finer cake when not too cold. They should be at cool room temperature, 60 degrees to 70 degrees Fahrenheit for the best results. When making sponge cakes, especially angel food, 
remove eggs from the refrigerator several hours before using. Do you get frustrated when it's time to separate eggs from egg yolks? Well, this handy tip might just be your saving grace. Quickly and easily separate whites from yolks of eggs by breaking them gently into a funnel. The whites will pass through and the yolk will remain. Note, it's easiest to separate whites and yolks right after removing eggs from the refrigerator. To keep those egg yolks fresh for several days, cover with cold water and store in the refrigerator. To use up leftover egg yolks, poach them until firm, then cool and put through a sieve. Nice for salads, soup garnishes, and canapes. Eggshells can be removed easily from hot, hard-boiled eggs if they are quickly rinsed in cold water. All right, I don't know about that because I have been doing an ice bath on my boiled eggs for quite a while now, and I still end up with completely mangled eggs. Some of them, the shell slips off beautifully, no problem. Others, there's hardly any egg left by the time I am done peeling the egg. It is so frustrating. I had read in the past, uh, I think Martha Stewart said, you have to use eggs that are not fresh. If it's a little less fresh, this has something to do with the membrane inside the egg. I don't know. Maybe you chicken ladies could answer this question for me. But she said something about the membrane starts to release after the egg is not quite so fresh and that makes it easier to peel. It doesn't seem to make any difference. New egg, old egg, I still end up with mangled eggs, probably you know, two out of every five when I boil my eggs every week. I did do a little research for this segment and I found an article on thepioneerwoman.com that said basically for foolproof, no mangled eggs... <laughs> when peeling your boiled eggs, you have to give them not only a cold finish, so I'm good with the ice bath, that is a good practice, but you have to give them a hot beginning. So hot start, cold finish. And what they mean by that is put your eggs into the water after it has already started to boil. I've never done this before. So I'm going to try it. She says, absolutely, without fail, you will have wonderfully smooth peeled eggs if you follow this hot beginning, cold ending practice. I'll let you know how it goes. Well, that's it for today's historical homemaker hints. Uh, As always, these hints are intended for entertainment purposes only, and we leave it up to you, the listener, to determine the safety and soundness of this advice. Now back to Kay's story. Well, okay, let's talk a little bit about hospitality. (laughs) so what are some of the ways that you show hospitality in your homemaking in my homemaking i you said you were involved in your very involved in your neighborhood i am we do let me let me take it let me go back sure because covid was a horrible time Mm -hmm. we were very fortunate when we built our house our neighbors to one side of us were an elderly couple, mm-hmm. and Ben and Martha, and they were in their 90s. Martha is still living. She turns 94 in July. Wow. Ben passed away at 96. Mm-hmm. But when we would come up here before we retired, we built the house in 2014, and we worked and did not retire until 2018. So every other weekend, we would come up, 
I would go and have coffee with Ben and Martha at 8 o'clock every morning, mm-hmm. and then wine every mm-hmm. evening at four <laughs> or five, and. Then we started cooking together. You know, I would cook meals for them, and we would have meals together, have them over. Um, and then through COVID, we we were each other's best friends because you you were so limited as to right. what you could do and who you could see. So I absolutely loved being able to go and sit on the back patio with them every morning. And every evening, and we would just share stories mm-hmm. and uh, just enjoy enjoy the view and enjoy the day. Um, I love doing things for people. Um, I love to cook, so people know I'm good for that. Mm-hmm. You know, we have uh, we have a book club in our neighborhood. So when I host, I generally prepare a meal or something for the ladies. Mm-hmm. We have a wine social or just a social gathering now because not everybody drinks wine. Everybody takes, you know, food for that. Um, I love having the kids come, even though they don't come often. Yeah. The house isn't built for that. When we downsized, we downsized... um, thinking maybe one family at a time would Mm -hmm. come and visit. I think the drawback to the neighborhood is there is nothing here for kids to do. Mm -hmm. Didn't even think about that. All we thought about was ourselves. You know, you just walk out the backyard and you're on the golf course. But when you have grandkids, Mm -hmm. the only thing here for them to do is during the summer when they go to the pool. pool. Yeah, That's it. And so... That's pretty much limited to summer hospitality. I go and visit them quite often, and we do things with them. Let's talk about the seasons of homemaking. What would you say was your most difficult transition from one season to another? I mean, you've got already the difficulty of um, a troubled marriage and then single parenting and then navigating a new relationship and all of that. But you're also raising four children at the same time, right? Yes. So what would you say was just kind of your most difficult transition? During that period when I went just, to the divorce and on my own? All, just or, all together. I think, so there's, there's always a situation, and I was just talking to my daughter about this the other day. Uh, I wanted back in a house with my kids, mm. And I had sat, when I went through my divorce, I wasn't getting any child support. Mm -hmm. So I was going through uh, trying to figure out exactly how I can come up with the money to rent a house. Yeah. Um, I had a very tight budget, and I found a house. Wow. Cute, 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 cute little house. And it was empty. The windows were up on it. Nobody was living in it. There was furniture in it because I got up and went and looked in it. And then I would see the guy who owned it Mm -hmm. out front working. Mm -hmm. Hey, I want that house. Well, somebody's, you know, she's rented it. She lives on the island. She's kind of a little strange. But I think there were, uh, the city came by spraying for mosquitoes. And she happened to have the windows open. So some of the spray got in the house. So she refused to return to the house. But she didn't want to relinquish her lease. Mm. So 
it took me probably three months to convince him, let me have this house. Mm-hmm. You know, I can handle this house. So we find, and I loved the, I still love the house, but there were more problems with that house. Mm-hmm. And I learned from that not to force things to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not, you know, God provides. I mean, I had a great little apartment with my kids. I just wanted a house, you know. Yeah. I wanted a house with a yard so I could put my flower beds in the backyard or in the front yard. And it was what I wanted, and yeah. it wasn't necessarily what God wanted for me. And I didn't think about that yeah. at the time. Do you think it was because you were wanting that symbolized stability for you in yes. a time that was very unstable yes. for you and your kids? Yeah. Yeah. It did because it it was uh, it was it was a home. A house is a home mm-hmm. that was not an apartment. Mm-hmm. You know, it had to be a house because I had always lived in houses. Yeah, and so I felt like that's what they needed. But it was it was difficult. It was very very challenging. Uh, a window broke. I had no money to call someone to fix the window. Mm-hmm. I had to do it myself. And I measured wrong five times. <laughs> I kept going back to Sutherland's, telling them, why isn't this glass working? And I finally took the tape measure. And he said, it's because you're not measuring it correctly. Oh. And I sat down. I'll always remember this. I sat down on the front porch underneath that window just crying, why, why, why me, why me? Oh. You know? And But then I got up and caulked it and it worked great you know so it was just i had to have a little pity party too but that that was just an incident that happened um during that period in my life mm-hmm. this current period in my life was retirement mm-hmm. i i never thought i don't know what i thought really i i just thought no work. I don't have to get up every morning and do something, go to work, be at an office at 7.30 in the morning. But then we retired, and it was like, okay, the house, I don't have to do anything in the house. The house takes 45 minutes to clean, mm-hmm. do it on Mondays. What am I going to do the rest of the week and the rest of the time? And this was really before I got involved at the church. And so I went through, I struggled. I went through depression. Mm. And it was very, very depressing. My husband would just, what can I do? What can I do for you? And it was just like, don't talk to me. <laughs> I don't know what. There's nothing mm-hmm. that you can do. This is just something that I have to, you know, I have to work through. And I got more involved at the church, started going to the Bible studies, got involved with that, really started that is such a wonderful body. That is a family for me yeah. because I have met so many wonderful people. And I'm not a real socializer. My group of friends is very, very small mm-hmm. only because and I've been asked about that because I worked and I was a single parent for so many years. I didn't have time to socialize. Sure. I was busy with their activities and everything that involved them. And so I had to be... I just never cultivated friendship. So I could go in a room with someone and sit and talk. This is the longest I've sat and talked with anybody mm-hmm. for any length of time. Uh, I just don't do small talk. Yeah. And so girlfriends do a lot of small talk. Yeah. And I just, so, I, and I don't know how to do that. It's like, oh, how are you? You tell me how you're doing. I'm good. Okay, thank you. Yes. 
and uh, we're done. I can go home now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, you're you're speaking my language, Kate. So I don't I do just, small talk. But either. you know what I will say <laughs> is that before my my husband used to always tell me, you know, you're just not, you can't be at home. You just can't, you can't be at home. This was before we retired, because on the weekends I was constantly going somewhere mm. to the to the mall, to the store, shopping, doing something, whatever. But after we got up here, and this is another reason why I think God put us right where He wanted us, right when we needed to be here. I have found so much peace just being at home. Mm. I mean, I can just be at home and I'm good with it. And I have I have great neighbors. I have neighbors that I can go and have lunch with. That's only an hour and a half. So we could get <laughs> we could get everything said and talked about within that hour and a half. But um but yeah, I yeah. I am just really at peace. I mean I can go sit on my patio. I can read a book, which is what I do. Um I'm going to buy a table to put out there. I told my husband so that during the summer, before it gets really hot, I can sit out there and do my Bible study. Mm-hmm. And because I, I, God's given me this great view, given me this great area to live in, and uh, I need to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. plus, I, I do spend a lot of time with daughters, mm-hmm. I will say. Not as much with my son. Uh, I regret that. I don't get to spend as much time with him, but I think that's the way it is. He's busy working, yeah. you know. Yeah. He's He's got to provide for his family. Not that my kids, my daughters don't work, but it's easier for them, you know, to take off. Mm-hmm. And we travel together, so. Mm-hmm. That's you know, cool. That's I love my adult children, all good. of my adult children. Yes. Jason, if you hear this, you know this. <laughs> so... What does it look like? I mean, you just kind of explained what your homemaking looks like in the season you're in now. It takes 45 minutes to clean your house. It does. It does. It's really absolutely lovely. I love it. And my husband does the shutters. Oh, nice. I, very, very nice. Because mm-hmm. I, I'm like I mentioned earlier, I used to pay my kids. They would want spending money. And I would say, okay. I'll give you ten dollars if you dust. Yeah, you know because I wouldn't. I wouldn't gonna do it. <laughs> I'm not. I am not a fan. I'm just not dusting. A du- now I am, but like I said, it only takes forty five minutes to do the glass, the furniture, everything. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. Anyway. Cool. We're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about some more homemaking tasks. Okay. Okay. What is a homemaking task that you love? Cooking. Okay. Can that be considered a homemaking task? Yes. Okay. I love to cook. I absolutely, that's a passion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially if it's Italian. I was going to say. Did I say that before? I love all things Italian. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I think I know the answer to the next one, one that you hate. Yeah. Dusting. Dusting. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a task that you grew to love over time? Dusting. Only because now, as I've gotten older, I remember, uh, maybe it's the thought came to me in one of my moments, um, I think it was Thomas Merton. Mm-hmm. He talked about in all things that he did, when he first became a monk mm-hmm. and went and lived in the monastery, uh, 
he hated the chore of washing all the dishes and everything. And but it came to him that he was doing it to honor God mm-hmm. and to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And so that helped him get through it. So that's the way I look at it. God yeah. has given me blessed me with this home. We absolutely love where we're at at this point in our life. And there's really not a whole lot to dust, mm-hmm. so I really shouldn't complain. <laughs> but I have. You know, I just put on music and yeah. just go with it. And I love the smell of uh, the orange oil that yes. I use when I dust the furniture. So there's always a little aromatherapy yeah, involved. Yeah, that is yeah. nice. That is helpful. <laughs> Engage your senses when you uh, yes. when you clean. Whatever you can do. You're, you're hearing, put on some music. Use nice equipment. Like I, I like to use lovely tools oh, if yeah. I can find pretty tools yeah. to use. And then nice, you know, so that's your touch and then your smell. Mm-hmm. Have nice smelling right. things yes. when you clean. Absolutely. Very good. Okay. What about your worst homemaking fail? I get a lot of Thanksgiving uh, catastrophe answers on this question, but it could be anything really. I think uh, it probably wasn't that long ago. Uh, I prepared a dish, and uh, I don't think it was fish. I rarely cook fish in the house, but there was something that when we sat down for dinner, my husband and I, we just looked at each other and went, well, this isn't anything we'll repeat. <laughs> and so it it just did not turn out well. And it had to, ha- I, and, and I can't even remember what it was, but um, it was a dish that I cooked, and it was just absolutely horrible, and I spent so much time preparing it, and then it, it I don't even know if I could have added more seasoning or anything to it that probably would have improved it, mm-hmm. but it was just one of those things where, no, you know, we're not doing this ever again, mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say I make a great sandwich. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my husband loves my sandwiches. Cool. So he's, yeah, we do that usually. He'll eat three-fourths and I eat the other fourth. And uh, that's that's the way we do it. That helps me mentally with I'm not having the whole half, so uh-huh. not as many calories. <laughs> so, like, are, you, are we talking to... A Subway style sandwich or no, just on bread. Oh, and okay. then we do have differences of opinion about the bread because uh-huh. I'm a wheat, oh. and I'm not talking about HEB brand wheat bread, I'm talking about earth grains or something like that. Hardy. I used to make my bread, yeah, and I loved to do that. Um, but he's no, just give me the white bread, he's a real meat and potatoes guy. Um, I also love to bake during the holidays. Mm -hmm. I should do it more often, even outside of Christmas, where I'll do the biscotti. I make biscotti. I love, everybody in the neighborhood loves my biscotti. And uh, I could probably start a business. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Okay, so. Cooking makes me happy. That It sounds like it. Yeah. So what's your, what's a, a memorable homemaking achievement? Five quilts. Really? Yes. You I made, made five quilts? Five quilts, yes. Christmas quilts. Now, they were patterns. They were kits. That, that, that doesn't but that was all negate during, the achievement. <laughs> that was all during COVID, too. Wow. And so I ordered a new uh, sewing machine online. Mm-hmm. And so, but 
what else was I going to yeah. do during that time period? So, okay, so these were holiday quilts, you said? They were. They were Christmas quilts. And did you, you, you have a sewing machine, so you pieced them on the machine. Did you quilt them on the machine, or did you quilt no, them by hand? No, I took them. You took them to paid someone. <laughs> you are so wise. That was, that was above my pay grade. Let me tell yeah. you. Oh. I mean, unless you have a ton of time on your hands and really great eyesight. I mean, quilting by hand is very therapeutic. Yes. Um, it's just extremely time-consuming. And if you're churning out several quilts like that, it's oftentimes worth it to hire someone who has a big... Because what they do is they've got those big um, arm... Yes. Those giant machines, and they just yeah. feed it through the machine, and it does these beautiful designs all over it. And- I, I initially wanted to do it by hand. I Some wonderful memories that I have when I was a child. My mother's church... Mm-hmm. They had missionary. They called them missionaries, and every Friday they got together and they quilted. They hand quilted, mm-hmm. and they had they people lined up wanting them to quilt their quilts. And so when we were out for the summer, I guess every once in a while, my mother would take us over there, mm-hmm. and I can remember um, clearly. We always called the women sisters mm-hmm. and the men brothers. Mm-hmm. So Sister Macy or Sister Schaefer would always tell me. My nickname was uh, Katie Did. Mm-hmm. Katie Did, you need to make those stitches a little bit shorter because some man's toenail is going to get caught in it. <laughs> <laughs> so that... That just, I mean, you know, I just thought of that when we're sitting here talking about it, but I had thought about doing it hand because I thought, you know, if I really want to say that I did something, I should do it by hand. Mm -hmm. And I probably did two squares by hand and I thought, nope, this is where the machine comes in. (laughs) So that's when I ordered the machine and then I put them all together and then I would take them to the store and they would, and they have all the patterns mm-hmm. and everything they can do. Absolutely beautiful. Yes. So everybody got a Christmas quilt. That's so cool. Yeah. And I it know. was homemade and that you pieced them together. Oh, yeah. So it's not like, I mean, I think that still totally counts. And so. I was doing it too. I picked uh, the theme, the characters based on the individual's personality. Oh, so that was I love that, that was a lot of fun too. Yes. I love that. <laughs> okay, so how about your top three homemaking tips? I don't know. Be passionate. <laughs> Be passionate in whatever you do. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, the cooking, uh, because I love to do that. I'm passionate about that, and I enjoy it. So, therefore, I think the vast majority of my meals turn out very, very well. <laughs> Um, cleaning, kind of like a Mary Poppins thing, put on some music. Yeah. And that makes it go by very quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, just do it because you're doing it not for yourself, yeah. but for, you're doing it for the people that are around you. Yeah. And because you love them mm-hmm. and you want them to have a happy environment. Mm-hmm. And that's what I that's why I do it. And that's why I do it for my husband and then when I go to my kids house I have one daughter who she will allow me to go in and cuz I love to organize. So I'm a real freak when it comes to organizing things. 
uh, she lets me organize things. Maybe not anymore, because I did it one year and could not find her cutting board. So I actually ordered one and replaced it. And then she said, oh, Mom, I found it. And it's like, well, now you have an extra one. But um, Wait, you couldn't find the cutting board because, she you, or- fi- because you organized it so well. Yes. You yes. organized it away to know. know who knows where. I have no clue. And I don't know where they found it either. It's like, okay, whatever. That's so But funny. no, I have everything... I mean, everything's pretty organized, like my plastic storage things mm-hmm. are all yeah. very organized. Yeah. Cool. My freezer's pretty organized. <laughs> Pork, chicken, red meat. You know? Nice, nice. <laughs> what is uh what's one homemaking um like appliance or tool or even like product that you just can't live without? Coffee pot. Okay, coffee pot. Oh, yes. First thing in the morning, (laughs) the coffee has to go on. As a matter of fact, I had a coffee pot that was auto. I could set the timer on it, Mm -hmm. and it went out about three weeks ago. I didn't want to replace. I didn't want to spend the money to replace it. So I had a little old black and decker. Yeah, and every morning when I do this, and I have to remember to get up and push the button because I have to have the coffee before I take the dog for the walk at oh. seven thirty in the morning. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to have to replace the coffee pot it and sounds, get one with an auto timer. On. It sounds like <laughs> it's just it. one of those things that has to be. <laughs> it yes. sounds like it. Okay, well, let's talk about the art of home for just a minute. How do you see homemaking as an art? And how do you find beauty in the midst of what is often, you know, drudgery type work? It's not it's not the most beautiful work to clean toilets. So <laughs> Oh no, but they have a lot of tools. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've got the toilet bowl wands and yep. you know, with the Clorox bleed, that makes it easy. Oh yeah. You know, so <laughs> I think um I think again, just Loving your environment, you mm-hmm. create your environment to reflect you. Mm-hmm. It is who you are. And so then you want to make sure that it always reflects you. So I add flowers, you mm-hmm. know, that's one of my things that I'll do every week or two weeks. Have to have fresh flowers in the house, uh, burn candles. Uh, when the husband's not around, because he comes behind me normally and blows them out because of his allergies, <laughs> yeah. bless his heart. Um, but um, just know that God has put you where He wants you mm-hmm. now, and if it's a difficult place, um. See what it is maybe that you can grow from it. I don't know if this is I don't know if this is the right thing to say or there not. Is you no, may want to completely cut this part out. There's no but, right answer. But um, I like that you went to if you find yourself in a difficult place. Yeah, because because not every home is happy. Yeah. I mean, you know, there sometimes you find yourself in my previous marriage, I did things because it was expected mm-hmm. of me, not because I loved to do it. I did it because I had to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the big difference in people in your lives and the way they treat you, the way they talk to you, mm-hmm. uh, they can either encourage you or put you down. Mm-hmm. 
Um, <clears throat> I love maintaining my home now because I love who I'm married to. I think that makes a big difference. I love the relationship that I have with God mm-hmm. um, because I know that all of this came from Him. Mm-hmm. I loved my children. I still love my children. That was the only reason that I stayed where I stayed as long as I did. Yeah. But that didn't make it a happy environment. That didn't make it to where I loved doing what I did back then. Right. I did it all for them. I stayed for them, and they know this. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I did for as long as I did. But then when I reached a point where I knew that for my emotional well-being, mm-hmm. I had to get out, I did. And I think they're better for that, or at least that's what they tell me. Mm-hmm. So, mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. Why do you think that gratitude is important in the home? And how have you seen gratitude impact your experience in the home? I am so grateful for my health. Mm-hmm. I am. I have a knee that I complain about. I have a shoulder that I complain about. But uh, I, I did some things in my past where I developed a serious health issue, mm. and uh, there was a pill for it. So I was cured. Mm-hmm. I am so grateful that God allowed me. To be here today, that I did not have the addiction mm. uh, that I could have. Mm-hmm. I, I just didn't. And um, in my previous life, I had, in my hippie chick years, hmm. so many of my friends are no longer here mm. because of their addictions. Yeah. And I did not have that. And I am so grateful for that. Because now I can look back on that and I can share that with people. Yeah. And uh, I can talk to them about maybe problems that they are having in that direction, even though I'm not a counselor and I don't even try to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, just my life experiences. And I am just grateful that, and I know this sounds maybe kind of funny, I'm grateful that I went through what I went through. Mm-hmm. Because that helps me to appreciate what I have today, even yeah. more so. Yeah. And uh, because I see where God delivered me. Mm. He delivered me from so much. And He didn't have to, mm-hmm. but He loved me so much that He did. Mm. Yeah. And I'm healthy. Yeah. And that's really the miracle Yeah, with it. Yeah. That's a great testimony. Um. What would you say to a younger woman coming behind you to encourage her in her walk and in her journey as a keeper of the home? And Oh, my daughters, they know. Um, it is uh, so, so they're all funny. I mean, you know, they, they all have the same issue where... Um, they work, and then they go home. Husbands work, they go home. They may drop everything, mm-hmm. you know, at the door entrance or on the floor. 
a woman's job does not end when she leaves the nine to five job. She is still the homemaker. Mm -hmm. And so she still has to go in and make sure there's a meal on the table and still cleans the house because there aren't a lot of husbands that do that, Mm -hmm. even after they've worked all day. I know of one who does, and that is my son and stepson. He's not a stepson, a bonus son, Christopher. Mm -hmm. He is such, he is, he's the housekeeper in their home. He does an incredible job, Mm -hmm. but he's a rarity, (laughs) I will say. And I think I could say that, and all my son-in-laws would be okay with me saying that. Um, But you just have to... um, you do it because you love the people that you're with. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it. you know, you may not be happy with it all the time, but you just do it because you love the people that you're doing it for, yeah. you know, and you're making that home for them. And, you know, they appreciate it whether they tell you that or not, <laughs> you know. So, but you do it, do all things to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. I just keep that in mind. Yeah. And it doesn't that doesn't make it easy hearing that. That right. does not get the clothes picked up off the floor or the clothes in the laundry room. Yeah. Uh put into the washing machine. You still have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. No, that's a good answer. That's good. I like it. Well, thanks for sharing your story oh, with me we're today. Done. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> You can, oh, you can relax now. So now you can go in and you can clip out everything you need to clip out. <laughs> Seriously, it was great. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for asking me. Yeah. Um, it's not really my story. It's God's story. Yeah. Because I really love, and especially at this point in my life, I love looking back where I started at 18. Mm-hmm. And now I'm 70 and where I am today. And you've just heard part of my story. You haven't heard it all. So I could actually, we could sit here a lot longer. So many other different little fill-ins, but we won't do that. Okay. But anyway, but thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this Homemaker Portrait of Kay Abbey. I hope you have found something in her story to encourage your practice of the art of home And I'm sure that hearing about her experience of single parenting, working four jobs, and the importance of a helpful and supportive community during those years might give you more awareness of how you can help single parents in your church and community, because they are there and they need help. Also, didn't you just love Kay's heart for and appreciation of the elderly? That was a thread that I saw running all through her story, from her self-proclaimed hippie chick years to the COVID lockdown days. She has been spending time with the elderly, helping them, but also learning from them. Do you have someone like that in your life? What a blessing you could be to them and they could be to you over something as simple as a cup of coffee. Well, that is all for this week. Links for today's episode will be in the description box. Don't forget to sign up for Homemaker Happy Mail, and I will be back next week with another seasoned Homemaker Portrait. Until then, keep practicing your art of making a home. And it's pretty typical that when I'm recording, somebody's doing lawn care somewhere <laughs> nearby. That pretty, much, that pretty much always happens. <laughs>